Hello and welcome to New Energy Explainers. I'm Tim Johnson from Johnson Energy Consulting. Today we're looking at ESG or Environmental, Social and Governance, uh, which you may know is a set of criteria for evaluating the performance of an operation uh, outside the, just the financial performance. Uh, and as always, our aim is to help Australian organisations understand what the opportunities are with this. Uh, to help us do that, we're joined today by two of the founders of Brownie.io. Uh, we've got Renata Crolini, uh, the Chief Sustainability Officer, and um, Guido Topfer, the CEO. Uh, Renata, Guido, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having us, Tim. Thank you very much. Pleasure cool. to be here. Um, yeah, so I'll kick off. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit about Brownie and um, your experience in this space. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm happy to jump in here. So Brownie is a sustainability tech platform that aims to connect small to medium businesses to companies that can help them be more successful by being more sustainable. So we give them tailored recommendations based on focus areas, which, which underpin the industries in which they sit, their level of risk, their, their passion for appetite. And then we actually give them tangible actions on which they can focus to take sustainable action now. And we go even further by connecting them to companies that can actually help them do this. So think renewable energy providers, solar panel installers, DEI um, policies, modern slavery, cybersecurity, and the full gamut of environmental, social, and governance actions with the, with the objective to help SMEs become more successful by becoming more sustainable. Okay, fantastic. And I think it's worth mentioning that it is a a group of founders between the two of us. There's two more, one further sustainability expert like Renata and a technical co-founder, a resident astrophysicist, Jill, that are building a product that is very solid in terms of sustainability and ESG criteria. But it's also built on my experience of having run small and medium businesses for the last 20 years. And um, I think your listeners are from that audience as well. And what we don't really like is people talking to us from the ivory tower and consultants that come in and give us great advice on how to run a business when they're never in the trenches. And so Brownie aims to be very much in the trenches with the SME, understands how SMEs operate, talks to them in a in plain language and demystifies this whole thing. So it can actually be the motor of growth that it's supposed to be. And it has been in my 20 years okay. of running businesses best growth and I know. So I'm, I'm thinking of uh, someone tuning into this who, who doesn't have a lot of knowledge and, and background experience in what it is. Maybe a little bit of history on where it's come from and what the hell it is. I know in the in America it's in some in some quarters it's they've, they've had pushback on on, on on what it is, which I was surprised by because I just thought it was nothing but good. Um, maybe some context. Absolutely. Um, and that's a, that's, a good, that's a good question. And if you actually pull back the layers and actually want to understand what environmental, social and governance or ESG is, companies have been doing this for decades. Back in the day, it was called CSR, um, corporate social responsibility and all the like. And it's really just a mechanism for businesses or people to, to improve their impact on people, planet and profit. So looking outward and looking and looking inward. Um, and it runs the full gamut. You know, when you think of the environment, a lot of people um, default straight away to emissions and accounting and reporting. But if you actually look at that environmental pillar that encompasses sustainability, 
It's water. Where is your water being sourced from? It's circularity. Are you making sure you reduce, reuse, recycle, repurpose? Are you looking at where your waste goes? Are you diverting enough waste from landfill, you know, and recycling more? Are you composting enough? Are you reducing your plastic usage? And I mean, that's not even the full breadth of what is encompassed under the environmental pillar. But then you go forward to the social pillar, which is just as important. That's your modern slavery statements, your DEI, your blind hiring practices, your discrimination policies and, and everything that sits underneath your social, your social pillar. And then the third one, which is governance, underpins everything. If you don't have robust governance structures in place, the, the first two pillars, the environmental and the social, really can't be captured. And so this this includes data and reporting and transparency in your in your processes internally and externally, your financial security, where are you banking with, um, cybersecurity and, and all the like. So it really encompasses a broad range. And like I said, this, these are actions that people have been doing for decades. It's now that we've put a term on it and that's when people get a bit scared. You know, are you are you ESG focused? Are you ESG, um, you making ESG as a priority? And that's where you, you tend to get the pushback. But overall, it is a, we at Brownie think it's a great thing. It's definitely something that if you uh, if you respond too well and incorporate into your daily operations, you can become more successful by becoming more sustainable across ESNG. And that's again what what Brownie is trying to do by demystifying the whole thing. It's a very complicated, confusing space to work in. I am an ex ESG um, consultant. I'm well aware of how confusing the regulatory landscape is. It's it's bewildering. Um, and Brownie really just tries to demystify it for SMEs to get them into sustainability action in order to make them more successful and, and be, continue to be a part of these big supply chains. And, and Renato will confirm because we've talked about this internally before. The reason it is, it is in fact a big area, right? But the reason it, it is being kept as so complex is because that's how consultants make money, right? If it was easy, you wouldn't need a consultant um, or if you had brownie, you wouldn't need a consultant. But most of the consultants will make you feel like this is huge, when in fact it isn't because while all those areas are covered by ESG, what's relevant for you and your business is a very small subset of that. Right. Absolutely. Um, and so, again, just to the really top line in, in terms of who cares, obviously if you're running a business, there's clear advantages in, in having a better product. But, it, but in terms of other stakeholders, because I know that customers are increasingly caring in the selection of what products they purchase. And investors certainly have seen out of the States, big um, CEOs saying this is this is becoming a standard. You, you've got to have your qualifications and your and your, your status on this. So maybe you could talk a little bit about that. If, if I'm a if I'm a business person, it's not just that I have a better business, it's that I want customers to choose my product and I want people to invest in my business. So maybe a bit on that. Yes. Um, and from my own experience of running those, those type of businesses, if you actually trust your customers and invest in your customers, there's a very high chance they'll pay back. I'll give you a very stupid example. Um, I ran a pest control business and we used to have annual contracts and that tied you in for another year if you didn't cancel the contract on time. We swapped that, swapped that around and did a model like Netflix does where you just go month on month and month um, and you can get out any month and you only pay for it the next month. And if you don't want to pay anymore, you leave. This does two things. It shows trust into the customer, but it also brings your own operations up to speed because now they can't rest on their laurels, right? So you're actually having your own thorn in your side to actually deliver to your customer promise more frequently 
and the trust in the customer then almost always comes back. There's always like those 2% that try to take advantage, but you'll find out early and you let them go. That's fine. So it's, it's again, and the same is true with, with staff. It's listening to your staff, involving your staff, trusting into your staff will, will be paid back. And in the end, if your staff and yourself are one team and you're tying and you're pulling the rope in the same direction, your business is going to be dramatically more successful than if not. And so there's, there's this mindset of cooperation that underlines sustainability that makes this such a great business approach. I think, and so let me try and clarify then. So with, with my business, I often will just cut straight to how much money you can save with renewable energy and um, other energy technology that's now available. And so it comes down pretty quickly to how much can I save and, and what's the payback if, if I have to make an investment. So, and obviously there's a lot of different thing, a lot of different opportunities or benefits from your business. But if, if I've never really looked into ESG before, what, how, how do I save money? How, where am I making money? What are the big wins with this? Well, you, it, it starts by finding out what areas are relevant for you. There's, it's, it's a so-called materiality process that consultants will spend a few weeks with you um, to identify the material issues of your business. Um, or you can just go onto a platform like brownie.io and play a discovery game within four minutes. You'll know pretty much with 90% overlap from consultants what these areas will be. <laughs> They're dependent on your size, on your business, on your industry and sector you're in, on your location, that so-called relevant businesses. And it's easy to understand that, for instance, a aluminum smelter energy will be a much more relevant cost than if you're running an, a, an accounting office. So it's very much the materiality that sort of takes this big gambit of ideas and themes and narrows it down. And then within your focus areas, that's where you then look to make money, save money, reduce risks. I take those three. And Renato, please feel free because you've been very involved with all our solution providers to, to quote some examples, but renewable energy today is definitely one way how you can save money versus traditional sources yeah. of energy. So if you're an aluminum smelter, then that's a big thing for you. If you're an accounting office, maybe not as much. Absolutely. And there's one, when we first try to have this, when we first have this conversation with companies, SMEs or companies that can sell their sustainable solutions on the platform, a very tangible, very easy to understand example is to replace your light bulbs in your offices or your, way, your warehouses with more energy efficient LED light bulbs. It's a very simple example, but it really underpins the economics of becoming more sustainable. You replace your, your light bulbs with more energy efficient light bulbs, your energy efficiency each month goes up, therefore your electrical bill each month goes down. Therefore you save money each month just by making that tiny little switch. And yes, it's a very simple, very easy example, but it really underpins the, the economics behind taking very small, tangible actions to become more sustainable can save you money in the long run. I mean, putting solar panels on your roof is a, is a big expense um, to, to outlet the start, but then you reap the benefits over you know, the, the payback period, which is a couple of years. So it's, it's really threading that needle and, and understanding that becoming more sustainable is great for your business. Yeah. Um, and just it just compounds like training like if you go for exercise every day that compounds right one exercise is not going to help much but if you go exercise three four times a week that helps ask Renata she does I was going to say that's why my running is not improving I've got to do it multiple times a week ah thank you <laughs> <laughs> and then on the other hand 
um, when you actually do it, can compound to a quite significant number. There's a guy that wrote a book about it who used to run IBM in Canada called Bob Willard. He's identified that that potential to increase your profitability over a five-year period working unsustainably by something like 50 to 80% of profits. So show me any savings program that can do more. From my own experience of running business, I'd say it's probably way more than that, but I cannot prove that unless you actually work with us. But I can show you the book that actually does. And there's also there's also other examples that aren't as aren't direct and they're a bit murky. But if you actually pull back the layers, you can see that the truth, like you mentioned before at the start of this conversation, Tim, that consumers are willing to pay more by state by shopping with companies that are sustainable. The same goes with employees. Uh, you know, employees, the younger generation, want to work for companies that have ESG front and center. Therefore, you you hire and retain you hire and retain and attract a more engaged workforce. They're going to stay with you longer. Therefore, you reduce your recruitment costs and you reduce your onboarding fees and your your um, any other HR related uh, expenses just by becoming more sustainable and you know communicating that externally to to the, the workforce. So there's so many different ways that becoming more sustainable um, for small businesses has huge economic um, advantages. Yeah, and um, I mean, let me touch on one example I've run into myself headlong, where I had uh, it's happened a few times, but a, a commercial tenant in a building has got very excited about solar and they price it out and they say, hang on, this could really save me money. Uh, and then uh, they want to go for a, in the example I'm talking about, they wanted to go for a power purchase agreement, which is a $0 upfront financing option. But it requires the landlord to to say, yes, it's okay to host the system on the roof. And for the landlord, they pay nothing. They have all sorts of risk mitigation and everything's insured. but. Uh, at least a few times you get on the phone to the landlord and they say, I'm not doing it. I, no, it's risk. I don't want to touch it. I'm not doing it. Um, and I've found, so what would you say to that landlord? Because to me, that's a conversation I'm, I'm quite passionate about turning around because I guess in some cases, maybe there's not as much upside, but in some cases there's enormous upsides for the landlord. How, what would you say in that position? I would, I would think, I think the first thing would be to have a conversation, understand the reasons why. And if it's purely just risk, I think there's ways you can, you can mitigate against that. Share in case studies of how, you know, other people in comparable situations have put the solar panels, for example, on their roof and, and what the payback period was and how the risks were mitigated. But I think it's just continuing the conversation, the education component and showing that it's not, it's not super scary to put solar panels on your roof. It's not woke to, to be, to act in this direction. Um, and just through time, the hope is that that would, that mentality would change. But I'm not sure, Gita, if you have anything else that you would you would do in that situation. I, I, I think you're spot on with, with all of that. I'd probably only add one experience that I've had in all my years of selling products and services to people who didn't feel interested. There's usually something in their personal incentive structure that you need to hit. Um, you know, they might just be too busy. They might just don't have a benefit for they don't might not see a benefit for their business or for their achievement of goals because it's just irrelevant for them personally and how they are being remunerated. So most like most often when I've run into this sort of response of it's too risky, I don't want to touch it, there was mostly an underlying reason which had something to do with hierarchical structures, um, incentive mm-hmm. schemes, uh, areas of responsibility. Um, but if then they don't move, we do have solution providers on the platform where you can do a power, just power agreement um, one-on-one without the landlord being involved. 
Yeah, I do. I learned more recently about the Sustainability Australia Fund, which is it's interesting because it 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 identify it tries to get around that issue directly by by um, putting the value on the property rather than takes takes the risk away from the land landlord. Um, but what one thing I like about their service is it, it it covers a whole range of upgrades. It could be anything from hot water to um, HVAC to cold water to to refrigerators to batteries. So there's there's finance options out there that will cover uh, a whole range of things that can help move down this path uh, in sustainability. So I think what's nice is the finance options are starting to really uh, sync with what we're talking about. So you don't have to pay up front and you can actually look at a whole lot of things as long as they're showing some um, uh, some improvement in environment. And so that's exciting that, that there are more options coming up. Absolutely. And I think you hit the nail on the head there. So the financing piece is important. It's great for the SMEs to have the ambition to do something like this, but it is, some of them are, are you know, quite decent capital expenses. And so to, to have financial institutions now that are recognizing that and taking that risk on board and providing these sustainable, sustainable green loans to small businesses to help them act in this way, it's huge. And we, we have a few on the platform. So it's, it's really nice as well to see these businesses supporting each other. Yeah. Um, so really quickly, I guess you mentioned before for, for someone who's thinking, well, actually, I should look into this. What do I do next? They can go to, to, to the brownie.io website. Um, yeah. But, it, but if you were going to paraphrase what that what that journey looks like, you know, what sort of things should they be thinking about when they do that? The, you go first, Gator. You, you, you can, you're jumping at the bit. You go. I'll jump in. <laughs> no, I was actually trying to let you go. Anyway. Quick, quick, and we probably should take that out. Just tip that conversation. <laughs> you could cut that out. That'd be good. So answering the question as of now, three, two, one. I think, as I said, the, the, the first thing you need to understand if you look at sustainability is what's relevant for me. Where, I, where does it even matter? And that's where we have them, everybody to join the platform plays a discovery game. <laughs> And as part of that discovery game, you sort of ask a dozen questions that are all top of mind. So you don't need to look up any data, right? That, that's, it's very simple, but it gives you an idea. And then the first thing you should do is, as with any project that you do, make, take some low hanging fruit, make some easy steps, get some brownie points. Don't expect that to be the silver bullet that solves all your issues, but get into the habit. And Brownie is built in a way where it meets you where you are in your maturity around sustainability and then leads you through what we call a maturity framework. So start by giving you direction. We then let you pick your first actions and giving you indications what that would do to your environmental, social and governance scores, but also what it would do to your financials. And so you get a balanced view. You do things, you get Brownie points, you get into the reporting bit. Over time, you'll say, and that's actually quite nice. I can see how I'm saving money, how I'm making money. I actually want to set some targets and we bring you into that level. <laughs> and so it's really a journey. Sustainability is not a destination. It's all about the journey. Um, and when you do it often enough, it becomes a habit, just like training in an exercise environment is. And that's what it's all about, because once that what goes and functions, you'll find ideas, you'll create your own ideas, you might even create products that can then help others become more sustainable. Mm. And then you can find your customers on Brownie as well. So it's really a tool that underpins your journey. Mm. And so um, I think maybe to finish up, 
what's a, a good example to get people a bit excited? Can you tell us maybe you can't talk about particular customers or clients, but something where it's really worked well and it's resonated beyond the company? Yeah, we can we can chat a little about what we've been up to the past couple of months, and that's got some really good um, examples. So we've been user testing our platform to get it ready for for launch in February, and we've had about forty small to medium businesses come through the platform now, and the overwhelming feedback has been positive. Um, the, the majority of the comments are, without Brandy, I wouldn't have known what direction to go. You've given me clear guidance on some of the actions I need to take. I, you know, some of the most positive feedback as well is that it was a light bulb moment for them. They're like, I didn't even realize I was doing half of this stuff and I didn't even know this was included in like as part of sustainability. And that goes back to our earlier um, conversation, Tim, where it's like, what is what is ESG? People get so confused when you break it down, like people realize they are actually making these, these strides anyway. So a lot of that positive reinforcement that branding gives you the tools to feel comfortable and confident in this complicated and complex world and that they are actually taking their first steps. So um, it's great to see. It was really, really encouraging. Um, the, the response, like I said, was overwhelmingly positive. And we have 40 customers pretty much that are, you know, excited to continue using the platform once we, once we launch. So really, really nice feedback. Yeah, that's great. So that, and, and there's, there's, there's one example, maybe, Renata, if you wanted to talk about that market operator out of Melbourne that was looking to do something. With food waste? socially nice for their With, so yes. there was a there is a solution provider we have on the platform that i think we can name um they're called foodie bag and they actually go to cafes and other food stores and collect excess food and then and then package it all up and then sell it as kind of a mysterious bag to to other organizations so therefore the, the cafe for example doesn't lose the money on that that's um the food products that would otherwise go to waste and someone can buy it as for a discounted price so you know helping the social enterprises and also helping the, the for-profit enterprise Surprise. So it was really nice to match those two together. And also as part of our, our cohort user testing, we had two um, businesses. One of them had a waste stream that they didn't know what to do. The other one said, oh, I actually could use that waste stream and make a product and we could sell it. So they went offline and actually shared details. And, and I hope that they're you know, working on this enterprise together. But it's really nice to create this ecosystem of like-minded people moving forward together to, you know, to create an environmentally regenerative, socially inclusive um, place. So it was really, it's really nice. It's yeah. very rewarding. Yeah, that's good. Maybe final bit on that. This this was done together with a strategic partner who can only name early in 24. But that strategic partner was so excited about this program that they have now decided to roll this out to their 50,000 members that are small and medium enterprises. And that's what we're talking about when we're talking about the launch in Q124. It's the rollout to these members to help them become more successful by becoming more successful. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, good luck. I'm excited to, to hear more about the whole thing. And uh, as listeners can tell, I'm, <clears throat> I'm on board with, with, with what you guys are doing. Um, but look, thanks very much for explaining that for us. I think you've made that all uh, nice and, uh, and plain. Um, we'll leave it there, but uh, I'll, I'll put a link uh, next to the podcast for the, for the website. It's brownie with a double E on the end, dot IO. Um, yes. And um, thanks very much for your time, guys. It was great. Awesome. Thanks, Tim. Thank you for having us. Appreciate the interview. Thank you very much. Bye-bye.